You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Page 859 and Daniel 9, 4-19, page 792 in the Church Bibles. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offences, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, Your Father will not forgive your offences. And now cross to Daniel. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, in all the countries where you have banished them because of the disloyalty they have shown toward you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. Though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set out before us through his servants and prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. 
the promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing on us a disaster that is so great that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned as it is this day, we have sinned, we have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that bears your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Judy. Well, again, it's a great uh, pleasure and delight and joy to be with you today. And uh, I'm so thankful for this opportunity to serve you and have been praying that God would bless each one of us as we gather in his name today. Let's pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we want to serve you and uh, honour you and please you, but often uh, the pressure of life means that we neglect you. Uh, sometimes Satan deceives us and tricks us into rebelling against you. Sometimes the world around us shapes us so powerfully that we live lives which are not worthy of you. 
and sometimes our own sinfulness betrays us from the inside and we do things which we know are wrong but we found, find ourselves trapped and ensnared and betrayed. So please help us this morning to think carefully about ourselves and our sins, the way we let you down. Uh, by your spirit, speak from the scriptures. Uh, speak to each of our hearts. Some of us, gracious Father, are only co constantly aware of how we let you down every day. Uh, please encourage us, encourage us with the assurance of your love and the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. But some of us go through our days not thinking about whether we're pleasing you or not. Please, in your mercy and kindness, uh, make us more aware of the lives we lead and the effect of our lives on ourselves and on others and on you. Please search all of our hearts. Please change us and transform us by the power of Christ. Please forgive us by his death on the cross. And please help us to live a new life by the power of his resurrection and by the power of your spirit. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we get to that bit of the Lord's Prayer where we ask for forgiveness for our debts or for our sins. I wonder if you are aware every day of your sins or whether you're so used to sinning that you're no longer aware of your sins, the things you do which offend God and make God sad. It's an important question for us to ask because one of the first things that happens when we commit a sin is that it blinds us to its presence. So I must confess, I spent my early life as a thief and uh, the first time I stole some money I felt awful about it, but nothing happened. So the second time, I didn't feel so bad about it. And by about the sixth time, it was just second nature. I became a Christian when I was 16, and uh, one of the first things I had to do was to go to the school headmaster and hand back keys to the college buildings, which I had uh, I'd borrowed keys and then had them copied and then I didn't ever use them for nefarious purposes but just having keys to all the college uh, school buildings was uh, I just felt a bit of power you see so I went to him and I said uh, well I've just I've just become a Christian so I've come to return all the keys I've stolen 
Well, he was a very nice man. And he said, how very unusual. <laughs> Wasn't that nice of him? He could have thumped the desk, couldn't he? Just said, I don't know whether it was stealing keys, which was unusual, or returning them, which was unusual. Anyway, it was unusual to him. But Jesus teach us that we, we should be praying the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer should shape all our prayers. So therefore, this prayer should shape all our prayers. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. How does God forgive our sins? The answer is by the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross. John says, John the Baptist says about his cousin Jesus, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How extraordinary that one man can take away, can bear, can carry the sin of the whole world on his shoulders on the cross. Or Paul writes, in Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice he doesn't say, by Christ we have redemption, as if Jesus just gave it to us as a gift. No, he says, in Christ we have redemption. That is, when we receive Christ, with Christ we receive redemption. Isn't that wonderful? You see, when we receive Christ, we receive all of God's gifts in Him, for Paul says that all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. So when we receive Christ, we receive forgiveness and redemption, that is, deliverance, rescue. We receive adoption as God's children. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive membership of His church. We receive the power to change our lives by his death and resurrection. We receive the promise of eternal life. We receive every good gift, not just from Christ or by Christ or through Christ, but in Christ. When we receive Christ, we receive every, every, every blessing that God wants to give us. And we spend the rest of our lives and the rest of eternity discovering the joy of those gifts. Or Jesus himself said, the Messiah, he meant of course himself, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and third day, on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So we can proclaim forgiveness of sins now. I can say to you, if you repent, Jesus will forgive you your sins, and I can do so in Jesus' name, that is, with Jesus' authority. And if you're talking to a friend and they say to you, well, look, I've done something wrong and I need to tell you about it, then you can say, I can assure you of forgiveness 
in the strong name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that God would forgive you, but I can assure you that God forgives you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to hear from a friend. And what a wonderful thing to say to someone, isn't it? Your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Or Peter writes, Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that is, on the cross. So every sin that we commit, Christ carried in his body on the cross. That was the great pain of the cross. It was not the physical pain. It was the spiritual pain of bearing our sins, indeed the sins of the world. We often think of the physical pain of Jesus on the cross, but actually the great burden was not the physical pain, it was the spiritual pain of bearing God's judgment on our sins on his shoulders. Or as Peter says later, Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So we're not just forgiven, but by, by the forgiveness that Jesus gives us, we're brought to God. Isn't that wonderful? It's not just that God says, well, the, your, your person over there, you're forgiven, and you're forgiven as well. But no, Christ brings us into the very presence of God because he's borne our sins on the cross. Or as John says, if we walk in the light, that is, if we live honestly and openly before God, rather than hiding from God or pretending that God doesn't exist. You know, the, the way children do, they say, you can't see me now. <laughs> well, the answer is, we can, dear, but because you can't see us, you think we can't see you. And people do that with God, don't they? You can't see me now, God, because I'm, I've shut my eyes. <laughs> It doesn't work. If we walk in the light, the blood, that is the death of Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. Not just forgiveness, but cleansing from sin. So what are the vital ingredients of repentance and forgiveness? And I'm talking about this, uh, expanding this today because I find that many people say, say that they've done something wrong, but they don't quite know how to repent of it and to, to change the way they live. So what are the vital ingredients of repentance and forgiveness? The first, they all, they all start with R very useful. It's an accident, but a very nice one. First of all, remember that God loves you just as you are. So, we don't confess our sins to make God love, love us, to win his love. We, we say sorry to God because we know that he loves us just as we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us just as we are. So, God is never tired of forgiving us. So, there are some sins I commit every day, 
So every day I have to say, here I am again, <laughs> please forgive me. And to that prayer, God's all answer is always immediately yes. Because that's, that's why my son went to the cross. Then we have to recognize the sin as a sin against God and against others. And we have to feel and express sorrow for our sins. So we can't just say to God, oh, I robbed a bank yesterday. Uh, dreadfully sorry about that. Um, won't do it again. Uh, but I might, I might try and build bar next time or something like that. No, no, no. We need to feel the weight of our sins, the sorrow that God feels for our sins. And because we have betrayed ourselves when we sin. We've dirtied ourselves when we sin. We've weakened ourselves when we sin. We've changed ourselves as we sin. Then we have to renounce the sin and distance, distance yourself from it, reject it, detest it, separate yourself from it. Say, that's not the kind of person I want to be. And then this is, this is the important one I found. Not only repent of the sin, but of the pleasures and benefits that resulted from the sin. So I remember talking to a young man who was about to get married, but uh, before he decided to get married, before he was a Christian, he'd slept with a number of women. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get ready for marriage, but I find that the memories of these, these past sexual escapades remain in my mind. So I said, have you repented of these actions? He said, yes, I have. I said, have you repented of the pleasurable memories of these actions? No, I haven't. So we need to repent of the sin and of the pleasure and benefits that resulted from the sin. And then consciously receive the forgiveness and the cleansing freely given by God through Christ's death on the cross. And believe, rejoice, praise and thank him. There's only one person who can forgive you your sin and that is God. And God loves forgiving people their sins. And we can receive God's forgiveness because he's promised to give forgiveness and cleansing by Christ's death on the cross. It's a scandal, isn't it? Just think of Hitler had confessed his sins before he died. Would God have forgiven him? The answer is yes.
Think of the worst person you know. Don't think about them for too long. But if that person confessed their sins, would God forgive them? Yes, he would. What a big price Christ paid for forgiveness. Think of the worst person in the world at the present time. Don't mention their name because they might be near you in the church, so don't, don't, don't say who it is. If that person repented, would God forgive them? The answer is yes. But then uh, we have to resolve to die to sin in the future and to live to righteousness by the power of Christ's death and resurrection, to crucify the flesh, that is, our sinful nature, and reap the fruit of the Spirit. I remember I was, doing, uh, I was working in, in Europe in a chaplaincy in, uh, in Switzerland, and uh, a young woman came to me. Uh, she wanted to confess her sin. Uh, so I, she talked about it, and I said... Uh, Will you stop doing the sin? She said, no, certainly not. So I said, well, I, I can't assure you of God's forgiveness. If you have no intention of changing, then I can't assure you that you're forgiven. Now, that would be to treat God like dirt, wouldn't it? So true repentance is resolving to die to that sin in the future. And then resolve to do the opposite. I find this a wonderful pastoral advice to other people. I remember the first time I read uh, in Ephesians uh, that the thief may longer steal, but rather labor with his hands to give to those in need. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Because the thief's been using his hands to pick people's money up, hasn't he? And go through their pockets or something like that or sneak into a house and open their treasures and take the stuff away. No, Paul says, you're a changed person. So give up stealing and take up working with your hands so you can give to those in need. Don't take, give. And that's, that's wonderful psychology. Very good common sense. The way to stop doing something which is wrong is to do the opposite. So if you've been a gossip, then the way to think it is not just, I mustn't gossip anymore, but to think that I will speak good words and positive words and healthy words. If you've been uh, uh, angry with somebody else, uh, then the thing you must aim to do is to be kind to them, not angry with them anymore. If you've been a selfish person, then the way to stop being selfish is not just to think, I mustn't be selfish. It is to be generous. I don't know why you're the bad people and you're the good people, but that's just how it works out today. We'll, I'll change around later on. See. Sorry about that. I do apologize. That's right. That's right. When I was uh, first a minister, I, I was in a, working in a church, and the, in the area we had lots of old people's homes, and uh, I was sent to visit the people there. And the most, tra the most tragic experiences I ever had were, were not people who were ill, 
it was people who would say, and I can still remember them saying it, I haven't spoken to my sister for 20 years as if this was a great achievement. And indeed, in some cases, I felt that they were kept alive, sorry, that they were kept alive by maintaining the rage. And I thought, the damage you've done to your sister and to your whole family, because the whole family will have had to take sides, won't they? And the damage you've done to yourself. But you're determined to keep on <laughs> maintaining the anger and the bitterness. You've probably forgotten what it was about originally. Well, the only way to change, having confessed your sin and received God's forgiveness then, would, to be think, would be to think, what nice thing can I do for my sister? How can I love her? How can I ask her forgiveness? How can we be reconciled? How can I give her pleasure? I've probably talked about my driving before at this church. Well, you know, when you get old, you've got sins which you've been committing for so many years, nobody's noticed them. Well, you don't notice them, rather. Other people do, but you don't see them. God showed me a few years ago that my driving was sub-Christian. I regarded other people on the road as my opponents, indeed my enemies, and if they transgressed, I had to get my revenge, which is not the best way to drive, so... You cut in in front of me, I'll show you what that's like. Uh, and I often found myself saying, what are all these selfish people doing on the road when I'm trying to get somewhere? Indeed, one morning I was going to preach at a church, a Sunday morning, uh, on, uh, they'd asked me to preach from Proverbs on the use of the tongue. And uh, on the way, Three white, I hope you don't drive a white van, but three white vans in succession pulled out in front of me and I said a naughty word, which wasn't just bother, it was something else. So when I got up to preach, I had to say, well, speaking of the tongue, I have to confess. So, uh, I, 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 can, I can manage... I remember the first time I prayed before I drove and I managed two minutes without swearing at somebody, which is pretty good, I thought. I can now do an hour and a half, but no longer, let me tell you. Fortunately, it only takes me 45 minutes to get here, so we had quite a good morning this morning. But what I do now is pray for God's blessing on the other drivers, and some of them need it, I can tell you. Yeah. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I'm trying to do the opposite, you see, of losing my temper and wishing ill. I'm trying to wish goodness and kindness. Restore the damage, if possible and appropriate, to God and to others. Do you remember 
Levi's conversion. He comes down and he says, well, if I've defrauded anybody, and he certainly has, I'm going to give them back fourfold. <laughs> so he's been a thief, uh, a crook, and he's going to give back to those uh, uh, whom he has damaged. Hello. You've got twinkly shoes, I can see them. And then finally, you get to the good bit. We can rejoice in God's overwhelming grace, love, forgiveness, cleansing and restoration of us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ and our hope of our future life with him without sin and sadness. I have to confess some sins many times a day and I have to confess all my sins every day. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is your problem, I'm saying this is our problem. And the more the closer you are to God, the more you're aware of your sins. Makes sense, doesn't it? If you're a long way away from God, you won't know what they are. The closer you get to God, the more you are aware of your sins. So if you say to me, well, I, I'm, I'm actually becoming more and more aware of the sins that I commit against God and against others, that's a good thing. It's a wonderful sign of God's grace. As long as you are repenting and being forgiven, and being changed by the power of Christ. But as you will have noticed, the word that Jesus uses here in this prayer is forgive us our debts. What kind of sins are debts? See, we often think of the bad things we've done I remember pushing the boy next door off his bicycle, tricycle actually. Uh, that was a bad thing to do, shouldn't have done that. But actually, uh, a debt is a good thing that we should have done that we haven't done. Do you see the difference? There are some things we do which are wrong, we shouldn't do them. But actually a debt is something we owe to God or to others that we haven't paid. So, what debts have we not paid? Well, the first command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is, love God with everything you are all the time. That's, that's the debt of love we owe God. And what debt do we, do we owe our neighbours? Love your neighbour as yourself. Now, it's, well, it's not easy, but we can probably more clearly think of the things we've done wrong against God and wrong against our neighbour, but actually this is a prayer about the things we've failed to do for our neighbour. The things we've failed to do for God. And those debts are often invisible to us. Uh, my, uh, my father was, um, as it's Father's Day, uh, had uh, suffered during the war and uh, was an alcoholic when he came uh, back to Australia. And um, he was not a very friendly father, I can put it that way. Um, and I think 
It was not so much the things he did which hurt, it's the things that he didn't do which hurt. And I don't think he was aware of that at all. So debts we owe other people are often sins which are invisible to us. But of course, the other person is, can be very strongly aware of them. So you might think clearly about things that you've done which are wrong. But you must ask God the Holy Spirit to show you things that you've not done which you should have done. As it happens, I've been running a, 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 a sort of training program for ministers this year on praying. And the lovely thing about running training programs and preparing, is that preparing them is how much you learn yourself. And again and again in the training programs, I've had to say, well, this is really obvious, but I've never done it. See, I've prayed, but there are lots of things I haven't prayed about. Lots of people I haven't prayed for. But not only does the Lord, Lord's Prayer <coughs> teach us that we should be aware of our debts, unpaid debts to God and to others, but notice that it's forgive us our debts. And we often think of sins and mistakes and so on in terms of what individuals do, but actually churches commit sins as well. That's all of you. <laughs> there are kind of sins which, uh, if everybody in the church isn't doing them, at least they're allowing them to happen. It's part of the corporate life, the community life, the body of the life of the church. Now, I'm... Uh, I don't know this church, so I'm not, I just, I'm just trying to think of a kind of uh, example which could happen in any church. But uh, imagine if you were a prayerless church. Well, the leaders wouldn't be praying, and uh, husbands and wives wouldn't be praying, and parents wouldn't be praying with their children, and uh, when the prayers came on Sunday up in the service, people would think, oh yes, we've got to do this, I suppose. And the church council wouldn't be praying and friends wouldn't be praying with each other, you see. And the prayer warriors would be immensely discouraged, wouldn't they? That'd be awful, wouldn't it? But imagine if you're in a prayerful church where people can't talk together without praying and you know that your neighbours are praying for you and... Uh, the, the minister and the church leaders are saying, uh, encouraging everybody to pray. And the thing is that these kind of sins, the sins of a church are really invisible to most people because everybody else is doing it. That's the way they live. But if you have a prayerless church, then of course uh, people who become Christians and join think that prayerlessness is normal to the Christian life. And young people grow up thinking that prayerlessness is quite okay. But if you have a prayerful church, then the young people and the new Christians learn that prayerfulness 
constant prayer, fervent prayer, enthusiastic prayer is just part of what it is to be a Christian. Now, I'm just using an example of the way in which a church can, ha can have a way of sinning as a group of people. Uh, it, it, it's often not intended, it just kind of grows up naturally. And God is, uh, throughout the Bible, most, most concerned about the welfare of his people. There are concerns where, that God has with uh, King David, for example, but most, most of all, uh, God is concerned about the spiritual life, the obedience life, the love life of his people, his church. Uh, that's why we had the confession from Daniel read so beautifully. See, Because there is Daniel saying, we have sinned. Our elders have sinned. We've all sinned. We're coming before you today. And I warn, I warn young ministers that uh, people won't mind you preaching on sin as long as you don't mention the sins of the church. Because if a church is sinning, then the sin is part of the glue that ties the church together. And the sins of a church damage not only the church, but of course every member of the church. And our shared sins, our corporate sins, also damage our relationship to people outside the church. I think a common, a, a common sin of churches uh, in Melbourne is a kind of shared selfishness where, where, where if, as long as we're enjoying our church, that's, that's good. Uh, don't, don't let anybody upset us. Uh, a friend of mine in ministry said, one of his church members said to him, I don't mind, I, I, I like God converting people, I just don't want him to bring them to our church. But as God forgives the sins of individuals, so also he forgives the sins of churches if they repent. So it's good to ask, what sins have we as a church committed? What debts have we failed to pay in loving God and loving our neighbor? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is amazing, isn't it? We have to forgive not only the evil that people have done to us, but the good they have failed to do to us. That's a high standard for a married couple, isn't it? A high standard for a family high standard for a church. Not only forgiving people when they've sinned against us, but also forgiving people for the good they fail to do to us and for us. Now let me say, if you have been abused, 
Don't hear me saying that you must forgive your abuser and pretend everything's all right, that no damage was done. If you've been abused, it may take you many, many decades to forgive your abuser, but you should be heading towards it. If we rejoice in God's forgiveness for us, we should be generous in allowing God to forgive others and forgiving them as well. Well, it's a big and important topic and a big and important prayer for us to pray. And I hope that is God has spoken to you through the scriptures and applied his message to your hearts by his spirit that you'd learn and do what God wants you to do. Ask God to show you your sin and ask God to lead you to the cross of Christ for your forgiveness. We're going to confess our sins now. So let's be quiet for a moment before God and reflect on our lives, how we've let our own selves damaged ourselves by our sins, how we've damaged others and how we've hurt God. Search our hearts. You who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, draw near with faith. Let us make a humble confession of our sins to Almighty God. Together, Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all people, we acknowledge with shame the sins we have committed by thought, word and deed against your divine generosity, provoking most justly your wrath and indignation against us. We earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for all our misdoings. Have mercy on us, most merciful Father. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past 
and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please you in newness of life to the honour and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all who with hearty repentance and true faith turn to him, have mercy on you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear these words of assurance for those who truly turn to Christ. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins. Let's be quiet now and then the musicians will lead us in a song. See 
suffered and died Savior's love 